0: I'm Agnes Kurtzels, I'm Whitney Winter. And my name is Claire Horning. Welcome back to the Ag Knowledge Podcast. For this week's episode, we're going to talk to Katriana
1: Koenig with Grossenberg Implement. So if you could just introduce yourself and then tell me about a little bit about your background. Yeah, so my name is Katriana
2: Koenig. I currently work as the recruiting coordinator for Grossenberg Implement. So we're the John Deere dealership here in town. I've been with the company it's going to be two years in March of next year. And I came right out of college into that position. So I went to school at South Dakota State University, and I actually majored in agricultural education, communication, and leadership with a communication specialization. So I'm very familiar with some of this stuff. My program looked a little different, but yeah. So I grew up on a farm and ranch back home in Scotia, Nebraska, which is about two and a half hours south of here. Um, little tiny town, about two hundred and fifty people, so not a whole lot going on, but um, it was home for sure. Met my husband up at Brookings and ended up in Wayne here, where his family business and stuff is. So yeah, and like I said, we've been here for about two years now, and. We've loved getting to see the community. Of course, it's been a little different um, than what it normally is, but we're excited to see everyone kind of coming back out of hiding and that kind of stuff, so...
1: Do you want to tell me a little bit about your background in agriculture?
2: Yeah, for sure. So like I mentioned, I grew up on a ranch back home. So we had about a hundred head cow-calf unit. Um, Both of my parents, they grew up on dairies, actually. My grandpa on my dad's side, he was a grade A dairy. So pretty big. When I was little, they got out of that and started going into more beef production. My parents, like I said, have that hundred head cow-calf op. And then they also have about 25 head of registered quarter horses. So we have foals about every year and then we train them and break them and that kind of stuff. So I grew up doing a whole lot of that. After I left and went to school, I have an older sister who's about a year older than me. And we always say that our parents got a little bored once we left. Mm-hmm. So they got into raising palm skis, which is not quite agriculture, but still um, animals for sure. And so now we have helped them through website design and all of that stuff, marketing these skis alongside of our Quarter Horses. So it's been a little bit of a switch up, but I mean we still got the cow calf unit and stuff when we go home. So yeah. So do you want to explain your job at Grossenberg? So like I mentioned, I'm a corporate recruiting coordinator. When I first came to Wayne, I, like I said, I'm an ag kid. So I'm like, what am I going to do in Wayne, Nebraska? Like, what are my opportunities here? I knew I was engaged. So I knew that this was kind of where I was going to be. Um, So I stepped in, spoke with their CEO, and he kind of talked about a need that they had within their company. So what I do is I travel to all of the colleges in the surrounding area to all eight of our locations. So we have three here in Nebraska. Nebraska. We have four in the state of South Dakota and one in Wyoming. And I travel to all the local high schools and colleges. Create day in the lives. Talk to interns. Get interns set up with what they need. We have a tuition reimbursement program, so I'm a big advocate for that. So anyone who's interested in going to Diesel Technology will actually have them come do an internship with us. And then if both our service manager and them like the position, we'll actually offer them this tuition reimbursement program, which then After four years, all of their tuition is covered by the company. So it's a pretty sweet gig. I mean, you're leaving college. You're going to know that here soon, Mm -hmm. that it's a good thing to have job security once you graduate, and that opportunity is definitely there. So that's something that I advocate to not only high schoolers, but also current kids that are going to school and are in that first year of that diesel tech program or have an interest in it as well. Mm -hmm. So is it only for diesel technology? Um, So that's what we reimburse their schooling for. Mm But we do have some other programs that will work with students to kind of pull together a position like mine we didn't do that with. And that's just because there's a lot of us out there. And right now, the diesel technology field, we need more diesel techs. So it's an incentive for them to kind of go into that industry and kind of lead it. So outside of that, like, of course, we have our general benefits, which is huge, um, especially for young adults that are starting. I mean, we have competitive bonuses, we do profit sharing and that kind of stuff. So there's definitely like added bonuses for those young salesmen that are coming and joining us straight out of college and those young precision ag students as well. So those are definitely two fields that we also hire directly from um, graduation from college as well and we're looking for. But yeah, that tuition reimbursement's only looped with the
1: diesel tech side of it. Do you want to explain some of the skills that are needed for your job? Yeah. So
2: as a recruiting coordinator. I have to be very organized. Like I said, we have eight different locations and they're very different locations. I mean, I have our winter location has 77 employees there. And then my Sundance location has 12. So they're very different size wise. And they also deal with very different things. I mean, right here, we're in the middle of harvest down here. Well, up in Sundance and Belfouche, they're kind of at a low right now. They don't quite have as much They just got done with their hay season, which was huge and that kind of stuff. And so you definitely have to be organized and know how to gauge your different conversations because, I mean, you have to flip from a corn big machinery all the way down to, okay, we're talking smaller compact tractors, we're talking balers, we're talking this kind of stuff. So organization and being able to be that kind of that people person that is able to make that quick change and make also the connection for people is huge. So that's definitely something that I've utilized from my communication side of my major that has helped me as well. And like I said, being super organized too. I mean, that's with anything you need organization. So that's definitely something that has also helped me out one thing that I would say like for other positions that we're really looking for is just the willingness to kind of dive into a project too. Um, And I've had to use that in my day-to-day. Like I said, right now we're in the middle of harvest. So you may be pulled on something that's not quite in your job description. And so I believe that flexibility is good for any position. Um, For instance, in mine, the other day we needed a part sent out to a tech when everyone else was busy and I'm like, I can take the 20 minutes, I'll run it out to them. So that's definitely something that that is a valuable trait to have. And if you can show an employer that you have that, it's going to help you immensely.
1: Would you want to walk me through, like, some of your typical days in September and October?
2: Yeah. So September and October are, like, my busiest time of the year, too, because obviously the school's back in session. Guidance counselors are trying to figure out what they're going to set up and line up for these kids. Um, you have career fairs that are just starting up and that kind of stuff. So I'll run you through, like, my last week, maybe, because that's probably going to be the most helpful. Um, So last week, like I said, I cover all eight locations. So Sundance, Wyoming, it's like an eight-hour drive out there. On Tuesday, on Monday, I got a call that said a high school teacher wanted to bring her 35 students into our brand new location there, and if I could talk to them about the opportunities and that kind of stuff, and I said, absolutely, I'll go out there. So I packed up, headed all the way out to Sundance, was out there for about 36 hours, came back home. Um, and then I went to a career fair in Southeast on the Thursday. So I do a lot of traveling within this time frame, um, And that's obviously not normal mm-hmm. <laughs> by any means. So right now I would say huge amount of traveling, getting up to career fairs, setting up, getting my table set, talking to students, giving them the pitch that I kind of already gave you earlier mm-hmm. about the tuition reimbursement and that kind of stuff. And then in the springtime, my main kind of what my day is going to look like is more working with our interns and getting them set up. So like I said, we obviously we want to treat our interns well um, because we want them to have a positive experience about working at our dealership. And we also obviously hope to hire them on as a full-time employee eventually. Um, So we do offer like we have a toolbox rental program. So if they're a high school student and they don't quite have their toolbox figured out figured out yet, we can supply them that. And so just kind of organizing all of that and making sure that that's all okay and then through the summer. I have meetings with them and make sure like, hey, how's it going? How's your service manager? Are you liking it? What can we do differently to help future students that are interns and also to make the rest of your internship the most impactful for you? So.
1: So, what yeah. do your off months look like? The slower side of the, your business?
2: So, I also get the lovely duty of doing all of our in house training. So, each of our locations are required to do a certain amount of training per employee that's there. So, like our service techs, they're required to do 20 credits of training. Our parts people are required to do 12 credits of training all throughout the year. And you have to get this done by a certain amount of time. And obviously, you also want to have them do training so they can keep up to date, keep current. Keep going on the evolving technology within the field and that kind of stuff, and so that's what I get to coordinate with all Mm. (laughs) Mm. of the locations. Mainly, I do that in those off months, so like January, you'll see doing quite a bit of that. In December, those are kind of my big months for to hit on training, and then also during the summertime too. Do you work with like any social media specialists? So we have all kind of in-house marketing. We have a marketing manager, Justin Kinsey. He's based out of our winter location. And he does most of our social media building out and that kind of stuff. And then we also work with a couple third-party design groups as well. So we work with a lot of them in Sioux Falls that will kind of put together specialty projects for us as far as like email blast and our website design and that kind of stuff goes. Yeah.
1: So do you get to work hand in hand with any of the farmers other than you've talked about?
2: Not quite. The only time that I really focus in and get to kind of work with the farmers is if we're doing a combine clinic or a demo of any type I do do some of the coverage for that so I'll photograph it and kind of talk to them and it also helps me because a lot of them have sons or even daughters that will not be able to take over the farm right away mm-hmm. and so then that gives me kind of a foot in the door there to tell them about the opportunities that we have right close to home so then their child can still go and help them out on the farm that kind of stuff so outside of that I don't work hand-in-hand with the customers um, outside of those
1: few events that we have. What kind of brands do you guys service?
2: All of them. All of them? Okay. Yep. Yeah, so we service everything. Any colors you'll see in our shop, Case, New Holland, anything like that, they'll come into our shop. Obviously, you see a majority of green, especially in the areas. This is probably our Wayne location is one of them with the most competition as far as like different brands that are also sold in the same town. But we, like I said, we'll still work on them no matter what if someone needs them. The only thing that gets a little tricky is obviously the parts are a little different but we still have the means to go out and order that stuff as well so okay. we can definitely make it happen.
1: So what kind of services do you guys have?
2: Within our locations, we have four different departments, and that's not including like our admin field. So we have Precision Ag or what John Deere likes to call integrated solutions, and that's all of the technology that is John Deere pretty much. So it's making sure that the globes that are on top of the tractors and the combines are communicating properly with the satellites and then also to the displays that are inside of the cabs as well. So then all your auto track is correct and everything is programmed just the way you want it. They also deal with My John Deere operation, so Operation Center, and that's like the computer program that has all of the fields and you can go in and you can see who last ran what equipment and how long the hours were and what it was doing and how efficient it was and everything like that. So that's really what our integrated solutions team does, which is definitely more of the technology stuff. Anytime you have a question, about your moisture probes that are in your field to, like I said, those little tiny displays to an online program, you get it sent to them. And then they can help you and, They're kind of gurus when it comes to that stuff. They love talking about the technology side of everything. And then you can go into our parts department. Our parts department, they're obviously not only pulling different parts that you need as a customer, but they're also pulling for our technicians in the back. And then they're also dealing with ordering and making sure that you can bring them one tiny little gear that you pulled off in the middle of your combine, and they're going to be able to look at a program and find that gear to replace what you need. Um, So that's definitely a specialty that they have. And like I said, they're going through anything from a toy, if you need that, all the way up to a bolt or a header on a combine or anything like that. Um, And then we have our sales department. And our sales department, they are obviously buying and selling used equipment um, and handling different technology, some technology issues. They work hand in hand with our integrated solutions team, but they're mainly... Goal is to go out, sell the equipment, get trade ins, make sure that their customers are happy, build up their client base, that kind of stuff. So, oftentimes, they're the ones that you see out there in the field with the customer. They'll go and ask if they can ride along for the day with the customer. And then the customer will kind of be like, well, this isn't working quite like I said. And then they'll try to help and figure out what's going on. And then we also have our service department. And obviously, our service department's one of our biggest at any of our locations. It's going to be your biggest department because. We have a lot of equipment to get through. That means we need a lot of guys and a lot of good guys to work on that equipment. So here at the Wayne location, we have 36 employees total. And out of those 36, you're probably looking about 20 techs. And so our service department goes anywhere from a small engine. So a little tiny push track or push mower all the way to a gator. And that's, we have one guy that just works on small engines. That's all he does. It's all he loves. And then we have line in our shop that's just for tractors. So they tear apart old tractors, new tractors, anything like that. I mean, you'll see a huge four wheel drive tractor that all of a sudden is like split in half and the cab is pulled off and i was like i i don't even know how they could do that you'll walk back there in two hours and it'll all be put back together it's like wild and then we have a whole line of combine techs too and then we have a few guys that just work on like the heads um so your combine heads as far as like corn and flex striper heads for soybeans. And then we also have one tech that is just specialized in setting up the new equipment from the factory. So Wayne is actually the closest location to many of the factories. We have two truckers that will go and pick up the new balers, new combines, that kind of stuff. And when they come in, I mean, they don't have tires on them. They're like, they have to be put together yet. And we have a guy that just focuses on putting everything back together, getting it ready to get, to the customer. And then we also have a wash rack too. So if you go and have a piece of equipment inspected through us, and what that means is our techs just look at everything, make sure that everything is just fine on it. And then they tell you like, hey, this needs to be replaced. What do you want to do about this? Yada, yada, yada. And they fix it. And then we actually have a wash bay. The customer gets a whole detailed machine coming back to them. They get a free wash, pretty much, and cab clean out, and we'll have many interns and stuff kind of do that or part-time help. So we've had quite a few Wayne State kids that have came out there and that's what they do. While in their off time. So yeah, those are kind of everything that our service department and all the way up to our sales department does. So what are the people
1: inside like the administrative sh- people do?
2: We have a lot of different um, admin people. So you have people like myself who are going out and recruiting. I am the only recruiter for our dealership. And then we have like an HR. We have one HR manager. She's based out of our main location in Winter. And like we said, we had that marketing manager as well. We have an IT specialist. And we also have a controller in every location too. So what our controller does is he's processing all the sales. He's making sure that the books are checking out and making sure that there's no mistakes on anyone's kind of behalf. Um, If you go on a trip and you have receipts, he's going to pay you back for that. If a auditor comes, we have An individual that comes and looks at all of our equipment, makes sure that what's there is supposed to be there and that kind of stuff. Um, He handles all of that. He makes sure if we say that we have three heads on the property, there are the three heads on the property, that kind of stuff. Um, So that's really what our admin personnel does. And then he does... Or she. We have many female <laughs> admin people as well. They also handle like payroll and um, some new hire information too. So, like, we do pre screenings for all of our new hires. So, they may do process the background check and do like the drug test par- portion of it. And the rest goes to our HR manager. So, yeah, they're kind of a little bit of everything definitely um, numbers, finance, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So,
1: so who, if any of the students that are listening wants to get in contact for like an internship, who should they contact and what do they need to know? Yeah,
2: so they can contact me. Like I said, I'm located at the Wayne store, so you either can call the Wayne phone number or you can call even my um, company cell phone, which is 402-369-2066. Sorry about that. <laughs> and um, you also can email me. My All my contact information can be found on grossenberg.com, and I would be happy to set something up that's kind of along the lines of what you're looking for, as long as we have a need for it. Um, obviously, like if someone's wanting to be based out of the Wayne location, but they're looking to do, let's say, a marketing internship. That's going to be a little difficult to coordinate because our main guy is in winter. So um, that's where you can, but we can definitely figure something out. We'll work something out and we'll get it to make sense for everyone. Yeah. So I would definitely be the main contact if you're looking for any employment opportunities or even like we said, internships and that kind of stuff. So
1: Thank you again for coming in and talking to us. Yeah, awesome. Thank you for taking the time out of your day and talking to us. Just a little bit more about the dealership. Agnes, do you want to... Talk about some of their background and their several locations.
3: Sure. I'm getting all this off of the Grossenberg website. Their mission statement is to provide the best product at a reasonable price with the highest level of service. And their vision is to successfully maintain core values of the generation business while progressing in the industry's innovations with emphasis on customer service employee compensation and community patronage so just a little bit about like how they got started charles jacob grossenberg and his wife blanche founded grossenberg implement in 1937 cj grossenberg and in Energetic and Reliable Salesman started us selling and trading cattle and hogs in Omaha and Sioux Falls. So he was really interested in cutting-edge farming technology and had been researching opportunities to bring John Deere tractors to the Tripp County area. The need for two-cylinder tractors was on the rise during World War II, which is when we saw a huge increase in technology and people were beginning to use um, tractors instead of horses and horsepower. And so that's how he began Grossenberg Implement. A friend at Deere and Company, Charlie Possessed, the American secret of making things work and simultaneously exploiting them. That spells service and a way of selling it to the customer. So he added to the foundation of Grossenberg Implement with his, the work ethic of Blanche.
1: Like his wife put if- in efforts into the Implement with
0: her worth. Work ethic.
3: Like the website says, she worked six days a week and was always at the desk
0: with a positive attitude and always thinking about the business. Was there a particular reason that he wanted to bring John Deere?
3: I think it's more because they were like the first ones to really have a tractor.
0: Oh, uh, okay, yeah.
3: Because John Deere was the first ones with that with the plow. So there's actually at Indianapolis, right? There's like a John Deere museum. Yes, there is, and it shows like all their um like original plow and everything, or not the original but the, a replica of the re- and the blueprint and stuff. Yeah,
1: because they're, like, huge donors, not if like, top donor for the National FFA organization. So they have a lot of connection <laughs> the organization and John Deere, so, yeah. Uh,
3: Charles and Blanche had two children and both were active in the business their whole life. Er, Norma was an office manager in bookkeeping starting in 1970 and Jean became more active in the implement side of the business until he graduated high school and was enlisted in the army as part of the Korean War effort.
1: And so after he came back from Korea, he got a lot of medals for his time in service, and he became like a full-time partner with Grossenberg Implement, which then he became like a father-son business after he came back from the war. The father-son duo had their famous name painted as Grossenberg in their green and yellow in the front of their winter location which is still there today gene had four
3: children barry was the second oldest and was very active in the implement business barry was famous for within the company saying i was born raised and will die an implement dealer he graduated winter high school and then went to south dakota state university in brookings and graduated in 1978 with a bachelor's of science degree in
0: agribusiness So is it still, like, a family business today? Does that same family still, like, own and operate it?
3: It is. It's um, now in the fourth generation, so... Gene had a kid or had several kids, but Charlie is the one that took the liking to the Implement business and is now the fourth generation. So he graduated from college, SDSU, actually, Mm -hmm. like his father in 2006 and is married with three children also. Cool. It's very much a family-oriented business. And I think they kind of show that within their like mission and vision statement
0: Mm -hmm. of being like,
3: we really want to serve the community and be there for the community. That's true.
0: I really like how they added like the employee compensation to that too because like that would make you feel you're gonna be paid fairly and I think that's really important (laughs) since it's like kind of more family oriented like you're gonna be treated like family I feel like is kind of I guess that's kind of what I see family businesses like they're a little just bit more closer knit and have a little bit like more healthy of a culture I guess I want to say not that not family businesses are horrible but I just like they just seem a little bit closer and more friendly yeah Mm -hmm.
3: a lot of times like when i think of a bigger business like grossenberg because they are located in eight different places throughout nebraska south dakota and wyoming but when i think of a family business like that sometimes like the family gets like removed from it like yeah they're the owners but it's not everyone's working together
1: necessarily Mm -hmm. those family tradition and like ethics are
0: seen there with like their employees the spirit too just like we're all working hard for this common goal so which is really cool and it must be going well if they've been at it for four generations too obviously it's pretty successful and you know is a good environment because otherwise why would you want to bother with it you know what i mean <laughs> and seeing that they have eight locations in three different states so. that's yeah that's a pretty big reach too
1: yeah because i think from like here to like wyoming is an eight hour drive to their next location i want to say and um catriona said that like wayne is the kind of like a headquarters with all of their locations because it's closest to their like factory so like everything that's shipped out that they need to put together goes to like the wayne location and gets put together or organized and then is like shipped off to
0: their other location that it's needed at my absolute least favorite job would be putting things together because i used to work at orschlands right and so we would assemble like carts and all this like windmills and all sorts of stuff for like displays and everything else and it was (laughs) it was not the most fun job because obviously the instructions are not super detailed so it's really difficult Uh, It's really difficult to follow sometimes because it'll just be like a picture and I don't really know what all the different pieces are if I've done it before. (laughs) And so a lot of times there'll be like an extra piece or like some nuts and you're like, um, I don't know if that was just meant to be a spare part or if I missed a step. (laughs) Oh, well, it seems like it works.
3: (laughs) It hasn't fallen apart yet. It hasn't fallen
0: apart yet. (laughs) Um. I tried my best. (laughs) Oh, I think they deliberately
1: put like one or two extra screws or... Whatever in the packaging yeah. just to like mess with people when they put it together. <laughs> it's like we have this, this, and this mini. Yeah and put it together but like you have an extra bolt like the absolute the
0: absolute worst thing was grills i i had only ever helped put one together and it was awful it was so hard and then this rocking chair i spent my entire shift trying to put it together and i got the left and the right mixed up somehow because i'm not the brightest bulb and i can't really tell my left (laughs) from my right anyway right so i had spent like six hours putting it together came in the next day and my manager was like claire you you totally messed that chair up we had to redo it and i was like. I'm so sorry. And he was like, you're not doing that again. I was like, fair enough. <laughs> fair, enough.
1: fair enough. I'll take it. I'll take it. As All someone right. who's put a grill together, I commend you for trying. Because they aren't the easiest to follow. No, I just
0: was like handing pieces because that was my contribution. Mm-hmm. There was two of us that day. So I was just helping and I was not being a very great helper, but I was trying my best.
1: Yeah, <laughs> But we were talking a, a little bit earlier about putting stuff together and Katarina said this also when I talked to her that there is just one guy at the Wayne location, probably at the other locations too, but his entire job is just putting stuff together that gets shipped to them. He'll put together the combine because it only comes in like, you know, the main body part and then the tires will be separate. The head will be separate. So he has that entire, that's his entire job is just putting the stuff together. And I feel like that'd be so much responsibility because like you're the only person doing it. Like it falls on you if it's not put together correctly.
0: That I'm sure he's like qualified enough and uh, has yeah. done it enough that it's and trained. Like, he's he's chill with it now. But at first that would be a really intimidating job Today, take very Definitely. nerve-wracking
1: and they have to do training every year like they have a certain amount of hours that they have to complete to keep like their certifications up mm-hmm. just Which like any
0: sense. kind of trade job well that's like well, doing OSHA every year or yeah. stuff like that
3: well especially with John Deere like they have so many advancements every year of their technology and their computer boards and everything everyone on mm-hmm. it yeah and that totally makes sense that you would have to have training because again like that technology stuff is very hard to just look at and know
0: mm-hmm. yeah i yeah. think that'd be the hardest part is all the computer stuff because it's like the tiny little chip things and you have to know all the directions and like ugh, that'd be a
3: like making sure the wires are hooked I, can't up get to, I can correctly in general i can
0: barely get to one drive on my computer so i don't <laughs> know how, i don't know how i'd operate that system am i right
1: <laughs> well yeah because they have like the globe on top has to speak to the computer inside which then has to speak to whatever implement you have connected
3: um at northeast i think i've talked about it like last year or something but john deere like partnered with us or not us but northeast a little bit so that we would use some of their tractors to like learn like how to run them essentially okay In one of my classes, we had to learn how to use auto steer. I never want to drive another auto steer in my life because that was horrifying. And that's just because it was one class period where we were trying to learn it and run it, Mm -hmm. which is awful. But because it went off of, like, GPS, if it if you took control of it and you like maneuvered it so it would like miss a spot in the field on purpose if you didn't like put that in the gps to like ignore that you went off track it would continuously try and go back and hit that spot you miss. and i'm like i can't go back there there was cones out there because they for some reason the same time of week they were doing cdl training mm-hmm. in that spot so there was orange cones out there and we just decided to not go pick them up mm-hmm. and so it kept wanting to go go back and hit these cones. And I'm like, I don't know how to, like, fix it so that it will just avoid, like, or avoid, but not go back to that spot. Yeah. So it was, like, scary.
0: I feel like once you figure out the programming for it and all, like, the steps and stuff, it would make it, it would make your life so much easier, though. Oh, yeah. Because that's, like, the whole point is to make it easier because I know my dad really likes this YouTuber. is called the Millennial Farmer. Yeah. And he, <laughs> he has John Deere equipment, and he always... He always kind of talks through what he's doing and shows what he's typing in on the computer. And I think that's really helpful, especially for you know someone like my dad who doesn't run farm equipment ever he's really interested by it because it's new technology and he's seeing how well it helps so even though he's not like directly involved in the farming community he still gets to be kind of in the know Mm -hmm. and that's why i think like youtubers and even like podcasts and stuff are really great because they really reach out and kind of break things down for people who normally don't encounter that stuff which i think is really cool and really important
3: Well, and it wasn't really on John Deere because, like, they have, like, the auto steer is separate from John Deere. Okay. And it would have been helpful, but it was, like, one of those, like, the teacher teaches a student and then the student teaches another student thing. And I just happened to be the second student, so I didn't have the teacher telling me how to run it so i had this other guy that had also just learned it 15 minutes ago trying to tell me how it works so some third hand
1: knowledge kind of
0: yeah and so that probably was the issue there so what happened if he wasn't paying attention were you just like up a creek without a paddle well i knew how to stop a tractor well yeah but i mean still like you're not gonna learn anything if he didn't listen no that's that's The problem. (laughs) That was, I think, the number one
3: issue. It was like, he had just, like, got thrown into it. Uh And then he was thrown into it to show me. Yeah. And so it was like... A lot of steps were skipped and mm. missed along the way of well, me learning how to you can only remember
0: so much when you're panicking. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
3: And for the most part, like, the auto steer, like, did the work. And you just had to use, you know, the clutch and stuff. So, it, again, we were we were safe because we knew how to stop the tractor. Mm-hmm. It was just the auto steer itself when you try and set it up was a little weird. Confusing. But, again, that was third-hand knowledge. So
1: operator error (laughs) (laughs) it was 100 operator error but i think that'd be nice to have like auto steer and like a fully automated system if you're doing something with like a creek that's running through the middle of your field or with different elevations
0: it It was just like geographical issues it would be so
3: nice especially with precision farming now and knowing, okay, in this specific area of my field, I'm low in nitrogen. So I'm going to apply extra nitrogen or phosphorus or whatever you're Mm -hmm. doing. And especially with planting, there's a lot of that now where like along creek beds, they're planting corn that is not as drought tolerant because there's more water in that creek bottom or whatever. Mm -hmm. So just... Having, like, the auto-sear or all the other precision equipment that you can apply to these tractors now that have the technology boards or the wire boards or whatever you want to call them. It's so helpful, especially if only 24 hours in a day, you know? Yeah, yeah. I
0: would be curious to see, like, any statistics or any things about how much that has helped their yield with, like, the precision stuff. Because I I wonder how, how big of an impact that really makes, you know what I mean? Well, and...
3: With just the tractors advancing the way they have been, you know, before like a tractor was going, you know, maybe, maybe three miles an hour and you had, you know, only like a four or six row planter
1: behind you. Now we have these, what, 32? Yeah, 32, 36, or even I think probably 48.
3: Yeah, rows that you can plant at a time. And so you're saving time, you're saving money because you're not wasting half your corn crop. You're Um, also
1: running...
0: With less time. Less workers. It's more efficient. Yeah. My dad really wants like a lawn and garden tractor (laughs) (laughs) because I don't know why because he's my dad. But anyway, so (laughs) my uncle bought one and he he, like uses it all the time. And I think my dad's a little bit jealous about that.
3: (laughs) See, we have a garden tractor and like you can do like garden work with it and stuff. We don't. But we usually, my dad uses it to pull the barrel train that he made for- Kid events, you know, but that's a good use for it. I that's that's what I did a couple weekends ago Mm -hmm. for the Pierce threshing Bee. I drove around the drove around the barrel train. Okay, we never understood why my dad had like so much fun driving this barrel train because it's like okay, you're driving kids around in circles. Sure, I get it. I get it. It's so fun because you purposely get to go
1: in circles on a (laughs) tractor. He made fun of me for it, but it's okay. Well, you see that at a lot of like trade shows. Mm-hmm. You'll see them just to keep the kids occupied. Well, and like kids get so excited cuz like I get yeah. it right
3: behind a tractor, you know? Cuz yeah.
1: there was like some
3: kid that like he didn't want to get out, so he started crying and I'm like,
0: "Oh. Oh no. Oh no." Poor thing. Forget. Yeah. He was having too much fun. He was.
1: Do you just want to explain what it is for oh, people that yeah. may not know? <laughs> Barrel train
3: is a very vague term. So we use, I think they're 50 gallon drums. And it just has a set of axles underneath of it. And my dad made them so that we put them on their side. And then we cut a hole in them. And then like we put a seat in them so that the little kids can sit comfortably. We just hook them all together. I think there's six of them, and we have it hooked up to the garden tractor, and then we can drive around in it and do cookies and figure eights and everything. And it just so
0: it's fun for the kids to have the experience of riding behind something loud. Mm -hmm. Well, kind of going along with that though, a lot of little kids, some of their first toys are like toy tractors and little farm sets. You know what I mean? Like when I was little, we had like a farm set, and we had like all of our toy tractors that we would play with and like that's what we played with Mm -hmm. that's what we played with also yeah we had little
3: farm toys and well even like the model model scale tractors the
1: 130 seconds yeah and it's like
0: and the little boy i used to babysit for he's like what noise is an auger making? Like, and it was really cute. <laughs> yeah,
3: and like we, it was like a little John Deere, like cartoony show. Like the tractors had eyes and stuff. Yeah,
0: we yeah. had books about that. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm talking about. It was like a, it was like Johnny Deere. That's yeah. what, that's what his name was. And then
3: like we would have, or it wasn't us. It was our cousins. But whenever we would go over, that's what we would like mess around with was the tractor with the eyes and just. Have characters had, with okay, them, okay. We like a
0: cartoon the, version of a John Deere tractor. It,
3: it was like yeah. cars, but with tractors. Yes. we had
0: we had the one that was like the character, and then it opened up into, into a, a book. book. Yeah, I had that too. We mm. had we had the tractor,
1: and then we had a bulldozer
0: one. We didn't have the bulldozer one, but we had the book about the bulldozer one. <laughs> Are you jealous, that. Whitney? <laughs>
1: I'm, I'm kind of. I like that bulldozer.
0: Yeah, it was. It was just, they were was so much cool. fun to play with.
1: <laughs> a lot of our toys. Well, my toys. Growing up and my sisters was just like the die cast models, um the little figurines, or were they called? I don't know, but they were made of wood. And they had they were kinda like look like little pegs. Like tinker toys? Oh, I kn- I know what you're kind talking of. about. Yeah. Yeah. Although
3: See, we had Tinker Toys. I didn't have We had Tonka toys.
0: trucks. <gasps> mm-hmm. We Tonka also, trucks.
3: we also had, they we were, had,
0: we had the Tonka Trucks video game on oh, the computer. We didn't have a computer. Wow. So,
3: or we had a computer, but we weren't allowed on it. So.
0: <laughs> we didn't,
1: we didn't <laughs> have technology really.
3: Yeah. Like we had a computer for a little bit, but then it broke and we we're like, mm,
1: yeah. we don't need it. Well, we had a computer, but it was like for mom's work, what she needed to do at home. Yeah. And so that don't was about it. it. Yeah. Don't we had a couple of games, but they were like for like really young kids yeah like that's all we had so we played them until they were outdated and they wouldn't play yeah like software was outdated but Um, our tonka
3: trucks were actually my dad's tonka trucks when he was growing up and we still have them i used to
0: fit in the back of the dump truck and i get dragged around in it (laughs) that would be adorable we did that, but with like pedal tractors and the
1: like wagon that you hooked up oh, onto yeah. the back. Uh-huh. Oh, we so just you, did that. We, we
0: had the John Deere pedal tractors at my grandma's house that actually had like the hookup for uh, the trailer. Yeah. So you didn't have to do anything. You could just like hook it up like you do a trailer on a truck. Uh, it was and just man. like a little pin you put yep. in. Yep. And we were really special and we enjoyed that very we much. We had that <laughs> too.
1: And then I was, a, uh, I was at a Alice Chalmers like trade show kind of show convention um no it was more event showcase yeah. <laughs> kind of like a showcase yes thank you and so i was looking through like the building that had like all the toys and stuff for like sale and i saw this um like it was kind of like the wagon that you put on to it but it was a disc set oh
0: wow was oh, really? cool and it was
1: homemade i'm like i took a couple pictures of all like the different angles and i'm like grandpa can you make this for me <laughs> he's like okay wait it needs more details. So I went back and took some more photos and the discs that were like made were like hand cut out. Each and I'm just like, oh my goodness. That would have been wow. What a labor of love. And I was like, I looked at the price, I went, mm, no, I can make it for cheaper. <laughs> There's was a lot of work into that. But I'm wow. like, I really need one. It would be <laughs> yeah. a great addition to our Alice Trauma pedal tractors because my dad collects a lot of them for us and like a lot of them just stay in the boxes but the ones that we do have like put together we played with we used to have a john Deere tractor
3: growing up that had a cab on it and that's what my dad would mostly use for like cutting the field or cutting hay and stuff and so that michael and i would always ride in it with him and then we'd fall asleep yeah
0: my dad has an a and a b and they're pretty old i think And they used to be in, like, our shed. So, basically, we have two sheds. So, we have a new Astro building, and then we have, like, an old lean-to. And that thing... I'm surprised it is still standing because if there's like a slight breeze, you can hear it creaking and it is just the sketchiest thing on the planet. But anyway, so they used to be in there. And then my dad's like, I don't, I don't want that to collapse on my baby. So he, he like moved him. He like took a whole day to move him up and like park him in the back of the shed. Let's see. I don't remember what the, the cab
3: tractor was, but we had a John Deere Probably. and I rode on the, this is really bad, but I rode on like the hood. <gasps> like in front of the steering wheel, Illegal. and then my one one of my brothers would be on the wheel well on top, and then my other brother would be on the other side. And then sometimes I would sit in my dad's lap, yeah. or I would ride up on the top. We I was. Used, just
0: it's a, it's okay. I we was. Were, we had to hold on. I was the lap person too because I could just fit right in there. Yeah. <laughs> ours was you probably had to stand because there wasn't
1: a buddy sit in our buddy seat in ours because it was so old. Yeah. yeah it was just Deere. like the
0: metal. It was, Circle seat? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's what my no, dad had. Not
1: even a seat. It was just like the plastic covering that covered something, and that's what you sat on. You sat on plastic? Well, it yeah. wasn't was like, like a metal seat? No, it was before they put that in. But it was. There were riding tractors where you like stood. We just h- held on to like the bar and okay. stood up. <laughs> or if you got tired of standing up, you sat on the floorboards. Like ours was old. Jeez, okay. It was before they put in like the buddy seats. Sheesh. We didn't have
3: a, um, a tractor with a buddy seat. We still don't. We just sat on the wheel well. Um, except in the, in the cabbed tractor, we sat on either side of the um, seat because there's usually a little bit of room and we were small enough that we would either sit behind the seat or beside him. See, we tried to sit the seat. Which was uncomfortable, but you know.
1: Because there once was more room. <laughs> something, there goes your toes. There
3: goes your toes and you smack your head on uh-huh. every hard part in that tractor. It was always fun like you'd fall asleep and then you would have like hit a bump and you'd just
0: smack your head against the window. Yeah, that yeah. sounds like a great time. <laughs> I would love to do it that. Was. Childhood memories, Claire. Oh yeah, I guess I really missed out on that one, didn't I? <laughs>
1: and then the smell of mothballs and the combine brings me back.
0: Oh, we didn't we didn't
3: have a writing lawn or er, lawnmower. <laughs> we didn't have a writing combine until I don't know. I was like in high school, I think. We would have one that hooked up to our tractor, and it was only like a two-row, because we didn't grow much corn, and
0: it didn't take long, but yeah. You want to hear a fun story about lawnmowers? (laughs) For sure, sure. So my dad bought a riding lawnmower from my grandpa, right? Because my grandpa was a John Deere salesman out of David City for like 48 years, so he bought- um, Wow. Yeah, he, he, he bought a riding lawnmower, and so we- he wanted me to, like, try it out, and this was when I was, like, eight, mind you, and so I didn't really know how to work it, and it was not explained to me very well, to be fair, either, oh, no. and I was absolutely trying my hardest, you know, and I was, like, going too fast, and I hit, like, the pipe cover, like, one of our pipe covers out in our yard, <laughs> and I got screamed at, and I have not mowed the lawn ever since, so I do not know how to mow a lawn because I... <laughs> Never had to because I wasn't allowed to. <laughs> so oh, when I have a house someday, somebody better come mow my lawn for me because I don't know how to do it myself. <laughs> I enjoy mowing
1: our lawn because it's like a five hour ordeal if we're doing like the lawn plus around the trees and yeah. some other stuff. But if we're doing like the lawn and around all of the tractors, it's more like an eight hour ordeal but it's just it's so therapeutic like because we have a zero turn so it's pretty easy yeah that's what this was it mm-hmm. was the zero turn and so you just you know you pop in your headphones blast your music and go about your
0: day come we- on with the lawn yeah, I hate I hate driving of all kinds. So uh, oh. that incident was traumatic for me. Been in some accidents that were traumatic for me. I do not enjoy driving anything. <laughs> I would like to be chauffeured. So uh, I said my grandpa used to work at John Deere. So when they would like bring in equipment to work on him, of course they would have to like run it for like, 10, 10 minutes or so just to like warm it up, clean it out. No, 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 no. <laughs> not to warm it up, Whitney. To clean it out. So he said there'd be like raccoons and cats underneath it. By the time it was done, like isn't that awful? <laughs> but as my, sorry, at my dad's work, he
1: works in agriculture, of course. But at the place, he would have this one co-worker who would constantly like be running over cats and just stuff. Like because they lived on a farm, and they they just travel in with the equipment, like you were talking yeah. about. but like. I don't know how many we, like, saved. Like, he'll bring home a cat during lunch hour because it'll hop out Mm -hmm. when they first start up. And we still have, I don't know how many, but, like...
3: We had a kitten that uh, hitchhiked in Michael's car 15 miles and then it got out and then they couldn't
1: catch it again.
0: Mm. but he knew where he was going he, he was going on an adventure and you weren't he was going stop to him. bomb
3: guards and you were not <laughs> stopping him no um someone did eventually catch him and take him home
0: but it's really funny when i go to my friend ella's house because she has like so many cats just so many and <laughs> so like if she drives us somewhere they'll always be like dusty little kitten prints on her like windshield and stuff it's so cute no that drives (laughs) me crazy
3: like my car we don't have anywhere to like park it under so i'll just park it next to the house Mm -hmm.
1: and you can tell when it's rained because i have mud paw prints everywhere on my car (laughs) i'm always surprised when you see paw prints on like the side windows not the front windshield
3: or the back yeah the side
1: but like the side i'm like how did you physically walk Like, straight up and down and leave the
0: perfect paw print. Spider-Man cats. (laughs) (laughs) They were bit by that radioactive spider. Yep, yep. They're just super buff and climbing up sides of cars.
1: (laughs) We used to have a gleaner combine growing up, which my great grandpa used when he was out at the farm. So, just a little bit of gleaner. It's part of the Agco Corporation brand which was started by the Gleaner Baldwin Company in 1923 with their first self-propelled combine. So this year would mark their 98th year in business. So the combines were developed by the Baldwin Boys, who operated a custom threshing business for farmers. Curtis, George, and Ernest Baldwin designed their combine so that it would have minimal repairs that would be needed to keep it running. The gleaner name came from an 1857 painting by
3: Jean Francois Millet, who we looked at some of his artwork, and he's a very impressive painter. Who
0: it's, it's like it was a lot of ag-related, So it was people harvesting, shepherding, napping in hay. They're really they're really cool pieces. I think I think a lot of people have probably seen them and not realized probably. who it was from. That's yeah, a good point. <laughs>
3: In 1930, the Gleaner Baldwin Combines went into receivership, and William James Brace, along with his son in law, brought the company out of bankruptcy. I'm getting my stuff
1: from an article by oureverydaylife.com. My information was a news press released by Gleaner themselves, or AGCO.
3: Then Gleaner Combines were being made by Alice Chalmers in 1955 when the company brand was bought, and the company would later become AGCO, which is what it is now, in 1991. Some of the notable, like, combines that they have made, and, like, the first machines that incorporated reaping, binding, and threshing into one machine was the N6 Rotary Combine and the N7 Combine with a 30-foot grain head, which was the largest of its kind some different manufacturing points it was born in kansas but they moved to independence missouri and then they moved back to Hudson, kansas near the original beginning of
1: the company some of the earlier gleaner combines were designed with like a short wheelbase and axle track so that the combine could fit on the bed of a truck and then the grain header did not need to be detached for transit because it would also fit over like the cab of the truck so if that puts in a perspective of what they used to look like compared to what combines now look like so it's significantly smaller yes because even trucks back so even instead just of in like the taking 90s, the
0: combine you would have it like on a trailer and then take it mm-hmm.
1: where now if you're only going a short ways you'll just drive the combine to your next field yeah but if you're going longer, like, if you're going over 20 miles, you would probably just load it up. It's very, like, hardy equipment. Like, they're still running
3: now, and that's yeah. almost 100 years later, you know, from, like, the original brands and stuff. But
1: they're really impressive. And I think that was the point of, like, the Baldwin Brothers. They wanted something that was reliable, that didn't need a lot of maintenance, so therefore the cost was down. Yeah. Because I think, like, one of the first combines that they sold was, like, around 50 Wow. And that was back in like the 1950s or more probably close to
0: 1960. Um, That still is really a lot.
1: Yeah.
3: This article also says they were the Cadillac of the industry because back then they had solid engineering and they were just the best of the best because... Like Whitney said, they made it to last. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They didn't make it. Which, I mean, most companies don't purposely go out of their way to be... You have to have repairs, you know, every time you go around the field. They wanted something that was reliable to the farmer.
1: According to their website, it says the brand marketed the combine with, like, innovations such as an auger that replaced canvas drapes to move crop into the feeder house and thresher system. A down front cylinder that put threshing closer to the crop. So you were... Cutting down on waste, a rasp bar threshing cylinder instead of a spike tooth arrangement, um, electro hydraulic controls. It was like an innovation for other companies, but they didn't incorporate it for like another 25 years. And then finally, like torque sensing drives. But like they were creating these combines for a greater capacity without like increasing size having like higher productivity per unit of cost less sensibility to slopes improved weight balanced weight distribution reduced grain damage and less vibration and noise that was like a result of the first rotary combine so the company gleaner introduced gleaner n6 in 1979 which had all those improvements which was kind of like a pinnacle at the time like an innovation, but like right now, they're the next generation of them is the S nine series. Um,
3: going back to like some of the innovations that oh, they're in North America, South America, and Australia,
1: and they have shows in both the U S. and Canada, which I don't think a company of like this size you would think would be outside of the U S. But they do yeah. have shows in Canada.
3: I think of claws C L A A S, and it's a I believe it's an imported combine.
1: Okay, that's but probably why I've never heard of it.
3: They're becoming really big. I know around my area, there's a couple of farmers that own them now. Is it from Europe? Or they're, I, like- they're
0: a German-based okay. company. Okay. It says it's a family business.
3: Uh, there's, there's dealers in both Canada and the U.S. They're an agricultural machinery manufacturer based in Harswinkel, Germany,
0: in the federal states of the North Rhine, Westphalia. It founded in 1913. It says on my Google Maps there's a dealership just like southwest-ish of Omaha between Omaha and Lincoln. So pretty close. Yeah. I'm surprised they're in at least
1: one in Nebraska.
0: And it says they're, they must sell them mm. at Nebraska Harvest Center, which is a blue dot right next to Sioux City, which would be... In your territory, (laughs) Agnes.
3: Well, because I knew there was a couple farmers around here that were, like, starting to use them. And I I had never, like, heard of it. Like, what is it? Because all I saw was the green. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's not like a John Deere green. It's like a limey light green. Yeah. Okay. It's very... It's, like, green and white. And then it has, like, the red lettering on it. Mm -hmm. Oh, I've
1: seen those. Yeah. I think I've seen a combine. I'm pretty sure I've seen that at a trade show. They also are yellow. Those are a hybrid system. Okay. Interesting. Do you know if it's like cheaper than American-based companies? Is that why they're maybe starting to use them? I don't really know, I guess. I just, what I've heard about them is that they don't drop as
3: much, like when you're Mm -hmm. combining, especially like right now when the beans and corn are really dry, they don't drop as much. So overall, John Deere is rated highest, according to this article from farmequipment.com, because of the parts availability and warranty procedures and stuff, because, you know, classes not huge yet in the u.s Mm -hmm. but um i don't know statistically if it's better or not i assume it would just be like how comfortable you are with that equipment and stuff
0: but i mean like that's that's pretty much the same for everything like you use whatever you're most comfortable with some things will work better for you some things won't you know Mm -hmm. what i mean You just kind of gotta do your pros and cons list and pick what'll work for you the best i think that ties back well with katerina's
1: they have to do training every year, the tech people, so that they are you know, up to date with all the new, new technology and even like a new line of uh, an entire new brand that's going to be embraced. Mm-hmm. It does say clause ranked highest in product
3: availability, product quality, product technical support, and parts quality and communications with management, mm-hmm. but John Deere rated highest in the parts availability, return privileges, warranty, procedure, and payments. But Kubota scored the highest in both. But Kubota is becoming really like uh more popular. Like a leading because brand. of their availability and their size. Mm-hmm. Cause like if you're not a large farmer, you don't want a huge tractor. And like John Deere makes them, but comparing price wise, for John Deere, you're more buying the name. Where a mm-hmm. Kubota is more like your um how do I say like like your riding lawnmower. Like it steers kind of similar, like it drives similar. Mm-hmm. Of the of the Kobotos I drove, which were smaller. They weren't, like, the big ones, so.
1: Well, isn't it cheaper also seeing... Well, it is going to be cheaper because it's smaller. Yeah. It, but then John Deere well, in case and
3: the... And John Deere does have, like, the smaller tractors. Like, they have the garden tractors now. Mm-hmm. And not just, like, the standard, like, garden tractor that I'm thinking of, I guess. But, like, a miniature tractor. They have, like, different with, sizes like, of like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. it has yeah. a loader and everything yeah, on exactly. it.
0: But I think it's really important, like, when you're going to buy equipment that you find like a salesperson who really is like considers your concerns and what your particular needs are. Needs are because otherwise you're going to be stuck with a million dollar thing that you like wouldn't work the best for you. Well, yeah, and especially like out here if you were to buy a Ford, you're probably not going
3: to find somewhere that has that those parts anymore to fix it. Yeah, unless you know you can find someone farther away mm-hmm. but around here you know we mostly have um case john deere um kloss is even you know up and coming and kubota and stuff Couple like of that new
0: hollands maybe mm-hmm. yeah
3: <laughs> and like making sure that you have i don't know especially like with john deere where you have to take it to the dealership to have it worked on mm-hmm. you need to be aware of like availability availability of
0: those sales people yeah. in those markets because i mean just going off of that like on from my ha- my house in Raymond to Wayne here there's 3 dealerships that I pass yeah david city here in Wayne and then there's one off a of highway like 91 I think mm-hmm. but it's just like there's obviously not a whole lot of distance between them mm-hmm. yeah so that wouldn't be very difficult to Hit them up and say, hey, this isn't working properly. I need somebody out here or I'm looking to buy something. What do you have? Just being aware of, like, if you're buying a product, you're going to, like, eventually need to have it work. So, I would, like, if I were to be buying equipment, what I would definitely do is make a list of what you're gonna use it for, how long you'd how long you would use it for, like and like what you're gonna work on it with, just like all of that stuff and like all of your needs and wants in it. You, you know, you could do some Google research beforehand and just look, or you can obviously Talk consult to different marketing people, people about it. But it's really an investment, so I think it would be a wise idea to have that information available to Mm -hmm. communicate that with whoever you're buying it from so that they can also be helpful and make sure that they're doing their part of giving their best product to you and fitting it to your needs and wants and all everything you want out of it you will get out of it
3: or if you go and talk to those marketing representatives or whoever or google Mm -hmm. you know people that have a background in using that equipment or even other farmers that are like hey you know
0: i compared to yeah, like, like what would you recommend yeah. for this particular job exactly cuz they'll have they'll have the experience with it to be able to give you a solid recommendation yeah. Yeah. or advise you in some direction at least and, and they might even know someone that has something
1: for sale or could be for sale exactly and yep, that's a good
3: point again it's like your brand might depend on what you want because or what you need because like gleaner they produce threshing machines, right? Like combines and mm-hmm. harvesters. So you're not gonna go there looking
1: for a cab tractor cab
3: tractor with
1: a loader on it. Yeah. But but like Katerina said, that's the salespeople have that's their entire job is to help farmers out, figure out either if they want to upgrade, trade in, or if they're just starting out in the business, like mm-hmm. you were saying, what they need and what they want. And what's available?
0: So my grandpa, his job at John Deere was sales. So he would like deliver equipment out and like help people and everything. And he has the best memory ever. Like if you bought a tractor from him in like 1993 he would know your name he would know your he would know exactly what he sold you how much he sold it for like he just knows everything and my grandma always gets so mad cause she's like i don't know how he remembers all these people <laughs> <laughs> but it's just but i mean that is really truly the mark of a good salesman though like that's definitely a personal connection that he has with that person to remember them after such a long time. Then if they would call him with any like problems or issues or questions, he would know exactly what you have and how to help you. You know what I mean? Or who Mm -hmm. to connect you with. Uh, Anyway, I think that's going to wrap up this week's podcast. Thanks for listening. Tune in again next week.
1: (laughs) Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Ag Knowledge. This podcast was created by Agnes Kurtzels. Claire Horning, and Whitney Winter as a part of Radio Production Workshop at Wayne State College. Tune in on Thursdays at 5 p.m. for more ag knowledge, and listen to KWC 919 The Cat on the TuneIn app. Previous episodes can be found on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. New episodes are released on Fridays to these and other platforms. Music is Surf Day by Marcos H. Bolanos, found on freemusicarchives.org the song was edited for the use of this podcast